Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. In white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscombe Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adamusner. And we've got another Pat show to bring you this week. Lots of Whitecaps chat in the show this week. A couple of interviews as well. A lot of other football chat. And we'll kick things off by mentioning that this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is going to be broadcast on CITR Radio as part of their 2023 Fund Drive Week. That is their annual fundraising campaign to try and raise funds and equipment for the radio station. Fundrive is currently in full flow. It kicked off on Thursday, February 2nd. It runs all the way through to Thursday, February 9th. Our show is going to be going out at 11pm on Wednesday, February the 8th. And the theme of the 2023 CITR Radio Fundrive is Broadcast Your Love. We all love to do that. So this year, they're asking listeners to show their undying devotion to CITR by making a donation to their annual fund drive. They can no longer ignore the waning pulse of our current radio transmitter up at UBC, and they've long been pining for a new one. They need everyone's help to help realise that fantasy. They want a tall, dark, handsome transmitter that will provide all their listeners with everlasting love. To get there, they're trying to raise $20,000. You can head over to the website, citr.ca, backslash donate, mention AFTN as the show that sent you there, and donate what you can. Every little helps, it genuinely does. 20,000 is a big target to try and reach, especially when it's a financial crunch. We know that money is tight for everyone these days, so anything you could spare would be fantastic. Every show is tasked with raising an amount of money. They would love each show to donate $150 or have five unique people donating. We didn't do too bad last year. We we hit our goal and we'd like to hit it again this year. Smash it if we possibly can. So you can get over to citr.ca backslash donate if you can. And there's also some swag on offer as well, depending on how much you actually are able to donate this year. If you donate $30 or $5 a month, you will get Discorder's Trist Lighter. 
For $60 donation or $10 a month, you'll get an intertwined CITR stemless wine glass. If you donate $101.9, $101.90 or $15 a month, you'll get a Broadcast Your Love notebook. And the first 30 donors at that amount will also get a song dedication on a special Valentine's Day show. $500 a year or $45 a month will get you a Loves Me Not CITR radio bathrobe. And if you want to donate $1,000 or $90 a month, CITR radio will let you host your own radio show and you'll also get a Fanta Records prize pack. But as we say every year, half in jest, half not, if you want to donate $1,000... Get in touch with AFTN because we will have a nice sponsorship for you on the show and that money would also help us with our fundraising efforts and get all our equipment and hosting costs. Just a a reminder for those that don't know, CITR Radio is a non-profit and a non-commercial radio station. All the DJs on it are volunteers. No one makes any money from having their shows on the radio. They've been in operation since 1937 They gained their FM licence in 1982. It's also the home to Discorder magazine that I'm sure any music fans will have seen that throughout the city. And it's the longest running independent culture magazine in Vancouver. Now, they've been in operation for 85 years and they want to keep going. They want to be there to 100. We've been on the station since 2017. We're about to go into our seventh year of broadcasting the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR. We mark our 10th anniversary as a podcast next month as well, going into our 11th year overall. So for seven of those 11 years, we've been on CITR Radio. We are the only soccer show on Vancouver Radio. They've been so good with AFTN. They let us do what they want. They let us play what we want. They let us run over our time. We were meant to initially start off as a one-hour show, and then we transitioned to a two-hour. And now, because we wanted the last spot of the night, and we used to be on Sundays, now we're on Wednesdays. We've been given free leash that we can just run on as long as we want. So if we wanted to be on for five, six hours till four or five in the morning, they're happy for us to do that. They've been very supportive of us. Please support them. Head over to citr.ca backslash donate. Give what you can. Mention AFTN. And let's get that new transmitter. Because folk want to hear... What we say far and wide, Zach. I mean, that's it's clear that folk just love to hear us. Of course, our theme song stuck in folks' head. It's oh, that, I, that's true. That's true. I ran. I ran into a fellow uh, this weekend. Uh, it was uh, it was a, a work thing, and um, I, I think you know him. Uh, I think you met him, but he his name's Greg Mayer. Oh he, yeah, I know Greg. Yeah. Yeah, he like so he came up to talk and he was like, "Hey, yeah." He's like, "Yeah, I, I love the show." I mean, I like I know Greg, but he's like, "Yeah, I listen to the show cuz he's like it's it's football, it's white caps and it's the Scottish hosts." Cuz Greg's Greg Scottish. Yeah. Although he has such a faint accent, like not like me. No, no, no. <laughs> if you have a faint accent, he has like an ultra muted one. Greg plays football as well. His nickname was Knight. You'll work it out. Maybe you won't. Oh, oh, I get it. I ah, see now you get it. I was just like, what am I missing? Sometimes the jokes are, are subtle. <laughs> that, that, talking about the theme song, our theme song for my East Fife podcast, Glory Days of Gold, done by one of the hosts on the show, more than my hosts here could do, I'm pretty sure. 
But yeah, Doug, we've played it on the show, Glory Days of Gold, the theme song. They're now playing it at East Fife Games. Matches? Yeah. Really? As the as the team are what, coming out in the pitch. What are the royalties like on that? Well, I don't get any. It's Doug that did uh, this song, so he was... Would get them. We were talking about that, funnily enough. So he's he's going to look into that. But fun fact: instead of them asking, "Oh, can you give us a copy of the song?" They've tried to snip it from the podcast. So as they played it, as the the players came out on Saturday, you hear the song, and then it ends, and you hear me going, "Hello, hello, everybody!" <laughs> and then they cut it off there. So it's like you're at. Uh... Like Bay I'm there Butte. doing the PA. You're in the Bay, Bay View. Now, again, yeah. what, what are the royalties on something like that? I don't know, but they've used my voice now, so obviously I, I have to, to... I mean, that big sponsorship deal that they signed, as I mentioned last week, I mean, that's got to be raking the money in. But yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun football chat. Uh, Hot Chocolate Boy will be back as well. I'm sure you're all looking forward to that. But... As sadly is so often the case with the show this year, we're actually going to start with some terrible, sad news. It's just devastating stuff. The the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, which has obviously been heartbreaking to watch the pictures and our thoughts here at AFTN go out to everyone affected and whose loved ones and houses and everything's been affected by it. Sadly has had a a football twist to it as well. When I, I woke up, this morning i was just reading the reports i was in the guardian and i hadn't seen anything in the news or anything i was just reading about it uh and then i'd seen a headline and then i read into it and it was talking about the turkish club hatespor and i was like wait a minute that's sam adakubi's club isn't it and then i checked and it was so yes yeah, sam had tweeted some stuff sam thankfully is safe and yeah. he put on his instagram just that he was safe and just Horrible picture of the devastation there, but the the club Hatespor are from the area, and it then has transpired that their player Christian Atsu and their sporting director Tanner Savut were amongst the missing. Um, apparently, there was nine players and two officials in a building on the ninth floor that collapsed, and the two of them were missing. And there's been a lot of mixed messages coming out. Now, we're recording this late Monday afternoon. So the time that this comes out, there, there could be more news. But if folk folk might know the name Christian Atsu, he played for Newcastle in the Premier League, Chelsea. We featured him in a bizarre way on the show where he was in a wavelength song that, that we played about him. So it was reported that he was missing. Then it was reported that he was found and he had a, a broken foot and was having breathing difficulties. But just before we started recording this, the Hatespor Vice President Mustafa Ozat has come out and said he hasn't been found and the, the press reports have been misleading. And these were big, like the Guardian, the Mirror in the UK had been reporting this and elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shows you how easy like rumours grow arms and legs and misinformation gets out there these days. And I mean, it's just a terrible situation. Our, our thoughts are obviously with Christian Atsu's family, he's a father and Tanner Savut as well. And just everyone that's been affected, they just, it's just been horrible to see. Yeah. It's tra- It's so, so tragic when you watch some of those, you know, videos uh, and see the images, it's yeah, it's so, so saddening. Um, like I, I watched the one video that that Sam sort of linked to on on his Instagram story, and it's just like, yeah, 
I, I was watching it on Sky News, and it's just hard to fathom that that devastation. We're, we're going to hear from to Saint Ricketts later in the show, and he played for two clubs in Turkey. So before mm. we were recording, I'd asked him. I know you didn't play for Hitspor, but like you must know the club in the area. And he's like, I do. I've I've been there. I've I've played there. I know the area. When you're seeing those pictures and it's places that you kind of recognise, it just really hits home. So yeah, just our, our thoughts and good wishes to everyone affected. Hopefully by the time that this comes out, it is more positive news. Obviously, yeah. the longer stuff like this goes on, you do kind of start to, to seriously worry. But uh, we talked about fundraising for CITR. Obviously, there's going to be a, a big fundraising and donation effort as well for the the, the people in Turkey and Syria, so yep, keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. But as we we say a lot in the show, there's no easy way to transition from the sad news to our more fun stuff. Let's just bring you this week's hot chocolate boy. Hot chocolate boy, he's never had one. Hot chocolate bad one. Hot chocolate boy. Yes, the 13th Greater Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival is still in full flow. Most of the cafes and restaurants taking part in this year's festival are offering at least one, sometimes two or more hot chocolates, right up until February 14th, Valentine's Day. So what better way to treat the special person in your life than to take them for a hot chocolate? I know if somebody was to do that to me, I would really appreciate that. Who wouldn't? Well, maybe Steve, who is allergic to chocolate. But everyone else, normal folk, they they would love that. So this week's offering that we are putting up for you to maybe partake in yourself is offered by local Vancouver coffee shop, Honolulu Coffee. Now, they have three locations throughout the city. The one that I went to was on West 2nd and they have two hot chocolate offerings for you right up until the 14th. One of them is called Raincouver, which great name for a city like Vancouver. It's 70% dark hot chocolate with pink Himalayan salt melting a cloud of suspended cotton candy. And you can also get it with oat milk if you want as well. Now, that isn't the one that myself and my wife went out and got in the past week. We did see other people in the coffee shop having it, and it it looks spectacular. I just think it's a little bit too sweet for me. I think I've kind of moved on from the cotton candy. But the, the little girl at the table beside us was in absolute awe of it, and it was just fun watching her take the bits of the cotton candy off and then just dip it in the hot chocolate and it disappeared. But the one I went for was called the donut. $11 worth every penny. For that bang for your buck, you're getting a donut-shaped hot chocolate made with 70% dark chocolate mixed with a single shot of espresso and finished with a sea salt cream cheese frosty topping Kinda made to look like a donut with the cream cheese in the middle as the whole of the donut. It's got dark chocolate uh, sprinkles, for want of a better word, on the the outside of it. It can also be made decaf, but it can't be made non-dairy. 
and it was absolutely delicious. I think I've kind of, like, over the years I've always kind of gone for the milk hot chocolates and I, I I like dark chocolate, but I can only really have it in, in small amounts, which is probably a, a good thing, actually. And you, you can't have too much dark chocolate, whereas with milk chocolate, just shovel it in my mouth left, right and centre. But I'm really, during this festival, starting to enjoy the 70%, 80% dark hot chocolates. I think we had a 60% one the other week as well. So I am liking the dark hot chocolate, and this was delicious. Not too sweet, not too bitter with the other things that were in it. The, the cream cheese frosty topping really sets it off. And the drink is paired with a donut-shaped fudge chocolate cake glazed with a refreshing raspberry icing and it is genuinely to die for the chocolate cake it was so moist and the tanginess of the raspberry icing just set it off to a tea that coupled with the hot chocolate itself it's right up there for me with the winter with a kick one that we had at Shea Christoph. I think that still just takes it because the, the spiciness and the pull-apart bacon thing just, just shades this. But if you're looking for a sweet treat, this is the best sweet one I've had, sweet treat-wise. And the hot chocolate, absolutely fantastic. Honolulu Coffee, three locations within the city. As I said, I went to the one on West 2nd. Highly recommended. And you've still got a week of the Hot Chocolate Festival to go. We'll be back with our final Offering in the Hot Chocolate Festival from Hot Chocolate Boy in the next episode. Every girl yelling, wanting him to be the terror. Hot Chocolate Boy, he's a sensation. Hot Chocolate Nation, Hot Chocolate Boy. Hot Chocolate Boy, raising the, the mood a little bit after our, our sad start to the show. But yeah, so I, I highly recommend Honolulu Coffee. Honolulu, not a great place to go for pre-season, but a great place to go for coffee. But let's get into the football chat now and the Whitecaps news of the week. And it's going to be a, a Whitecaps-based show this time around. We're kind of fluctuating between all Whitecaps stuff, no Whitecaps stuff. It's just the way that the season has played out. But yep, the Whitecaps news of the week that we're going to start things off are, it looks like we finally have two new players. None of them are official at the time of recording. They both look like done deals. And by the time that this comes out, hopefully at least one of them has been officially announced and we'll start with the most exciting one of the two, hopefully, because the Whitecaps have finally found their striker. And not only that, but it's a striker familiar with Major League Soccer, which has to be a, a massive boon in itself. The player in question is Sergio Cordova, 25-year-old Venezuelan. He's six foot two. I didn't check to see if his eyes were blue, as the old song goes, but it'd be awesome if he is. Played with Caracas FC, transferred to Augsburg for the 2017-2018 season, signed a five-year contract extension with the German Bundesliga side in August 2020. They then loaned him out for the 2020-2021 season to Arminia Bielfeld, who had just been promoted to the Bundesliga. He was then loaned out last year to Real Salt Lake, 
they sent him on a season-long loan. That loan expired, so then Salt Lake didn't per- pursue any further interest in him. If they did, it was maybe too rich for them, or they were looking to, to move in a different direct- direction. Interesting to note that RSL's majority owner, or new majority owner, Dave Blitzer, is also a major shareholder with Augsburg, so that kind of helped things come together. At the time of the signing, which I think was February last year, so exactly a year ago, RSL's GM, Elliot Falsed of Cordova, he's just very athletic, so strong, fast. He's a technically gifted player. He's got a bit of a nose for goal, and he can be a a goal-dangerous player from any of those front three spots. Um, He has physical attributes to contribute to any of them. On the wing, he has speed and quickness to be able to defend the way he needs to, and up top as well, and it just he felt he gave RSL a lot more flexibility. Now, what I would say, Zach, of Cordova is he's not exactly what you would call a prolific striker. From 2016 to 2022, he's only got 21 goals and 159 appearances. In his four seasons in the Bundesliga, and that was 85 appearances, he got nine goals over those four seasons. In one year in MLS, nine goals in regular season, two in the playoffs, 11 in total in MLS, and another one in the US Open Cup as well for Real Salt Lake, in 34 appearances. One of them came against the Whitecaps as well when they played down there. No goals in his 15 appearances for Venezuela. So he, he hasn't been prolific in his career up to date, but I do always like to more look at the more recent side of it. And he was fairly prolific in Major League Soccer. Obviously, Major League Soccer and Bundesliga are two completely different animals. You just have to ask Alessandro Schopf about that. But it's, it's positive. And the fact that he's got this MLS experience with a Western Conference side and he's used to travel and all those different things. I mean, that has to surely only be a good thing for the, for the Whitecaps. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff you talk about is statistics and his rate, you know, rate of of scoring. Uh, there are kind of things that are both concerning and things that, to be excited about. Yeah, his overall track record of scoring is kind of concerning. However, his uh, contributions at RSL and MLS are encouraging and I think exciting for Vancouver and are probably pretty high up on the list of the reasons why they're they're looking to make this signing. Right, so. Um, I mean, I was saying I wanted a guy with MLS experience, ideally, so they do at least have that. Oh, totally, yeah. Oh, I know. And, and high up on the Whitecaps list of, of things when they're making a transfer is what does Michael McCall think about this? And so It, it is, yeah. Yeah, I know. Axel tells you that all the time. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I think this is an interesting signing. Now, this is not a world-beating signing, right? This is not something that's going to definitely turn the, the, the needle off the pitch. Um but hopefully it, it can be something that helps turn the needle on the pitch um, f- for them. So, I, I mean, I haven't, I can't remember if I've ever, I don't know. I mean, I've seen him play for RSL a little bit. Mm. Um, and and I, I was interested in him because, yeah, he, because he was his connection to Augsburg. But I don't remember seeing him play in the, in the, uh, playing for Augsburg much. I, I can only base on what I saw in RSL last year. And there was certainly yeah. a lot of positives there. He, he can play in any of the front three spots, so that's a, a big positive with, with Vanny's Yes, system. that is. He's got power. He's got speed. I mean, they're key attributes that 
Vanny would live in a team. An RSL article I read about him had said that he provided good outlet for RSL and their long balls over the top. Now, that's not something that Vancouver have played tons of, but I think we certainly have the players that can do that. And if you look at some of his goals, a lot of them are long ones over the top or through ones. The one against the Whitecaps, he just tore the Whitecaps' defence to pieces. Now, obviously, the Whitecaps' defence last year is not a great point to base everything on, but if he if we can get the through balls to him or those long balls over the top, with his height as well, 6'2", I wanted a taller striker. I, I think he offers a lot of different things to Brian White, which was one of the key things that both Vanny and Axel said they were looking for in their new striker. Yeah, and it's def- definitely uh, something that they needed, right? Like that was one of the one of the positives about what they had with with Cava, right? With someone who was different than White. They weren't like they weren't twins. They weren't identical. They sometimes could play really well together, but also gave you different options if you wanted to go with a lone center, center forward, right? So, um, yeah, he definitely is different than White, and uh, I think. Uh, you know, for for his sake and and for the clubs, I, I can see him definitely outperforming White, even in White's mm. you know uh, you know first big year or half year or whatever with 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 the club. I mean, I I would take ten goals from him now, providing there's other goals coming from elsewhere, because if there's not, you need your main striker to be producing more than ten goals. Otherwise, you're not going to be a playoff team. It's as simple yeah, as that. I, like, I could see him getting 15 easy with Vancouver. Well, if, that, if, that's if, the thing. Like when you watch the highlights, the kind of players that we've got and the kind of balls that we know that we can go in, like going back to what we're talking about, Gressel last week with that assist he got for the US. He's like the ideal guy to get in the end of one of those kind of Gressel style crosses. That That's the kind of stuff that you're wanting. And he was the golden boot winner for RSL last year, who were a playoff team and a big chunk of their success you can put down to him. I do hope, though, that he doesn't bring forward the nickname that the RSL fans gave him because it's one of the most dreadful nicknames in Major League Soccer, I think. They call him Sergio Scordova. Oh, my. I mean, it's no cum dog. That is very bad. Yeah. Both of those things that came out of your mouth are very bad. I, I don't know what nickname we can give him, but please know Sergio Scordova. Yeah, that's, yeah. Why, well, why did you just go Scordova? Is, is, I mean, I don't even love that, but that's, yeah. Why, why you gotta... Yeah, I could maybe have taken Scordova, but yeah. It's the kind of pun that I would have in one of my teams of the week when I, I'm doing football I live in. It's like, Scordova. Oh, you know what? I forgot. He did, he did actually score against Bayern one time. It was a horrible oh. goal. Yeah, I double checked. Yeah, he scored an awful, awful, awful goal against Bayern. Hey, they all count. It was like uh, his shot. Uh, oh no, that's an own goal. He basically, scored an own. Uh, he forced an own goal against Bayern. But yeah. Now, his salary last year at RSL guaranteed compensation six hundred ninety-six thousand. It's mentioned that he's likely coming in as a designated player the way that's going to have to work with transfer fee and the salary for year one, and then they can probably buy him down after that. It's, again, we've talked about this before, it's a it's a Whitecaps designated player. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not the kind of big name, big bucks designated player that a number of the other teams have. 
at the same time, I don't give a toss about that as long as he's scoring goals. It's like they could bring him in and he's not a designated player and I'd be happy with that. You just want a striker to come in that can hit the ground running and he should be able to do that. I mean, there'll be a little bit of fitness issues and stuff. But, I mean, he's a guy that's done it with RSL. And, as I said, he got in the playoffs. He got two goals in the playoffs mm-hmm. in their loss to, to Austin last year. And I, I hope he's better than our last Venezuelan DP striker. That's all I'll say. Both on and off the pitch. What was the other one? A young DP? I think he was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, probably... The less said about that, the better. Yeah, let's quickly move on from that. So it looks like uh, Cordova flew out on Sunday. He tweeted on Instagram that he was on a plane. Flying business class or first class? It was hard to tell, but fancy flight anyway. Do we we know about no no visa issues? I wouldn't think there should be. Venezuelan players seem to get visas quite easily, but of course a lot of them are, are in the US. So fingers crossed, no visa issues. Of course, none of this has been confirmed yet either, so the, right. the club aren't really able to talk about too much stuff. But it looks a done deal, and he has been on a plane. And the the other player that looks like it's a done deal as well is the goalkeeper we, we spoke about uh, a few weeks back, Yohei Takaoka. The, coming from the J-League, he's 26 just now, 27 next month, 5 foot 11 goalkeeper, which has had a lot of folk talking about, oh, his height, you don't want a small goalkeeper. I get that a little bit, but I do feel that that is really overblown. When you look at a goalkeeper, he's coming from Yokohama Marinos. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that's won championships with them. He's just won the 2022 J-League. He's had 59 clean sheets and 183 career appearances. That's a good return itself. I don't think we have to worry too much about his height. All I want is a good goalkeeper. Somebody that is going to be a number one. Uh, Whitecaps will say he's coming in to challenge Thomas Hassal, but you don't leave the J-League and you don't leave the J-League champions stating no. that you're wanting to break into the Japanese national team to come here as being a backup or to just challenge. You have to think he's he's coming in with the mindset that he's the number one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously is clearly going to be the number one. I, the one thing that um, that I think I read about him, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I thought I read that he one of his strengths is that he's uh, good with his feet, like he's a ball playing. Yes, ball like yeah, a, he is, which, which is does like, give you heart in the mouth at times. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is the way forward for goalkeepers. Exactly, like this. They're is, all they're all just frustrated sweepers, really. Yeah, well, the the evolution of the sweeper keeper, you know, uh, particularly like Emmanuel Neuer is is massive for for how you play like it influences more than just um more than just you know your defensive setup it's like it is the uh it can shape your team right i mean all the way back to i remember 2006 right like that was one of the reasons why in 2006 that oliver Kahn was not you know not the keeper for germany anymore it was because layman was uh not a better shot stopper than Kahn, but he was better at coming off his line and playing the ball and Khan just that's not who he was. So yeah, it, it I mean it, it's it's been a part of the game for a long time but I think um it anytime you have a keeper who can play the ball well with their feet it it makes your team more dynamic and adds uh, elements to it that um that you want. Yeah. 
that there's a really good deep dive on Takaoka uh, by Caleb Wilkins on 86 Forever. So Caleb always does fantastic stuff in this. He, he's got one as well on Cordova that, that you can check out on that site. But it's worth a read because I'm sure a lot of folk listening to this don't watch the J-League very much, if at all. I mean, I only see the odd clip now and again when something happens and it's on Twitter and that, that's pretty much it. But Yokohama have confirmed that he has gone overseas to complete negotiations for a move. So it's pretty certain that he is coming. Both of those players should be announced this week. I, I think he's a good addition. I think he's an improvement on Thomas Hassal from stats that, that you can see all over the place. Yeah. And like and I'm kind of break down of his qualities on, on things like F Brave. That's maybe not how you pronounce it, but that's how I pronounce it. Um, but he's a, he, he looks a, a good addition. What I would say is if, if these two guys are confirmed this week and these are the two additions, are you looking for more? you happy with that? I'm fairly happy with that and the squad that we've got. I'd be prepared to, to see how that starts the season. I mean, it doesn't matter if people are happy. It feels like that's, it is, that's what it's going to be, right? Like, Unless uh, they can find a new centre-back that's going to come in and be a starter, like a top quality one. I, I would take that as well. But it's not the end of the world if these are the last two players, I feel. Right. If but, they perform. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but part of the part of the issue is I, I know that they, we, I know we talked about this before, and the, you and Steve, I think, both feel it's fine that, you know, a lot of players, have, or in your words, I think it was dead weight, has gone out. Um, they've gotten rid of the dross, and... Uh, and, and you're happy with the replacements, but it still feels like the the squad is both thin on on depth and and not still not the quality that that you would would hope for. But but I do think there are enough pieces there for them to do to to improve. So maybe you know they're not may not may not be world beaters, but there's uh they they've set them up they set themselves up with the potential for you know outperforming the last you know even the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, when you look around the rest of the West, it's maybe a a squad that you would not really think might be challenging top four, which is what Vanny had kind of targeted as the, the next stage in the, the club's development. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. It does look like a, a team on paper. If everyone stays healthy, if everyone performs at the levels that you want, should be challenging for one of the lower playoff berths, which we still haven't had confirmed exactly what's happening in the playoffs. I was just going to say, what? how many births are there? Uh, I mean, if it's eight, we've got a great chance. If it's seven still, it's, it's tough. But it, it's it's looking more hopeful, I would even say, than it did two weeks ago. Because I think these are two strong additions. Add maybe another centre-back, although Karifa Yao seems to be performing well pre, pre-season down there. We're going to hear from Vani in the next part as well. So, I mean, it's all all kind of positives. Um, they've got some pre-season games under the belt as well. We've had a chance to look at the guys, and we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Simon Betcher, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. They come from many places They come from many places They come down for the night They walk around together 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM Broadcasting on the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN For the month of February I said we were going back to a kind of post-punk time of the 70s and 80s And that's exactly what we've done English post-punk band from London, television personalities, and that was a a song taken from their second release, a four-track EP, Where's Bill Grundy Now? And that was the main track on it, Part-Time Punks. Also a song used on a number of their compilations, including one by the same name of all their early stuff. I think it goes up to about the the mid-90s. Highly recommend getting that if you want to get into the band and find out a little bit more about them you can get that on cd you can find it on youtube spotify all the usual places the band are pioneers of the the post-punk movement very influential a a number of bands have kind of cited the influence that they've had on them from jesus and mary chain pavement big bands like that cite television personalities and in particular lead singer Dan Tracy as just bands that have kind of paved the way for them not just with their sound but kind of how they acted and just how they approached the whole music business now the the band you could say that they were a symbolic affair they would often turn up for gigs not having a set list not having any plans for the evening and just play what the the mood takes them. Sometimes members would be very kind of transient and just come and go. Lead singer Dan Tracy is the the guy that's been with them from the start. And this is a band that could have been so much more. Unfortunately, Dan Tracy's kind of mental health issues, drug addiction, being in prison, kind of derailed a lot of it. He was beat up in 2011 and had to get surgery for a brain injury. That kind of saw him in a, a care home for a number of years, but in 2016 he said he wanted to get the band back out on the road, so they're still listed as being present and active to the current day. If you haven't heard them before, as I say, I would really recommend a good starting point is the part-time Punks compilation album. Some really good stuff on it, and we're going to have another song from them on the show this week and all month long. So as mentioned at the start, this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is being broadcast during CITR Radio's Fun Drive Week. It's their annual fundraising campaign. This year their goal is to raise $20,000 for a new transmitter. It's going to really allow them to get their stuff to a wider audience in the, the lower mainland, broadcast further afield. The Fun Drive runs from February 2nd to February 9th. This show is going out on 
Wednesday, February 8th on the radio. If you want to help support the radio station, help them to continue to have shows like ourselves on it and broadcast to as many listeners as possible, you can head over to their website, citr.ca backslash donate. Every single donation is going to be helpful. Every show is wanting to try and raise as much money as possible. I know money is tight for everyone just now, but any way you can help, any amount you can share, citr.ca backslash donate. Mention AFTN as the show that sent you there. Let's see if we can hit that 20,000 goal. But we're going to get back to the football chat now. We're going to get back to talking whitecaps. And the whitecaps are enjoying the weather down Palm Springs. It's a tough life over in Marbella in Spain, now in Palm Springs. And as I look out the dark and gloomy window here in Vancouver, dodging the raindrops, can't help but feel a little bit jealous. As I'd mentioned, I was planning on going down for the trip. And although the flights were so cheap, accommodation, car hire, etc. were just extortionate. So, having gone down, fallen from afar as Zach and the rest of us all are. So far, two games played, 2-1 all draws. Wednesday saw them play a 45-minute scrimmage against a second-string DC United side. DC United had a game against Charlotte the same day as well, so it was kind of their second-stringers that took on the white caps for that. Aidan Rocha had opened the scoring for DC in the 29th minute. The Caps tied it up in the 37th minute when Matthias Laborda scored his first goal as a white cap. Nice little twist and header off a, a Pedro Vite corner. Not a lot you could gather really from the highlights and 45 minute scrimmages don't maybe tell you too much but gets the sharpness up at least. Second game on Saturday saw three 45 minute periods played against Charlotte. Charlotte actually went down to 10 men on the hour mark when Brant Bronico was sent off, but he was allowed to be replaced. None of that stuff from down in Portland where they were begging the referee not to send players off because they wanted an 11 v 11 sort of match-up. No score in the first 45 minutes. No score in the last 45 minutes. The two goals that came were in the middle 45 Charlotte went ahead with a deflected Kerwin Vargas effort in the 66th minute, but Simon Betcher tied it up with a a scrappy but ultimately well-taken goal by him in the 85th minute. So lots of changes in the game, and obviously in the early games, when there's chopping and changes and almost full rotation of squads, it's, it's kind of hard to take too much from it. I mean, you can tell that they're still trying to find their groove, they're still trying to get that chemistry, but I mean, it's... Positive, they haven't lost either of those games. They have scored. They have fought back twice from, from going behind as well. Laborda with his, his first goal as a white cat. Betcher finding the back of the net mm. already. So th- there's positives there. Yeah. I mean, the the DC one was a little... I mean, I think you said... What did you say before the game? If they don't win this, you'll have bigger concerns or something? Yes, because um, they were playing a, a second string. Right, that's what it was. DC yeah. side, but in saying that, we well, we had quite a strong side out, but it wasn't our full strength side. But yeah, I if you'd lost a second stringer, you'd be like, oh, maybe we've got a bit of work to do this preseason. Yeah, the the I mean, they didn't look great. That goal, they looked. I mean, it was a, a kind of a 
fast break or, or counterattack or whatever, but they didn't, they definitely didn't cover themselves in glory on that. Uh, and the, and Laborda's goal was a extremely unmarked. Yeah. I was going to say, he, he on the six yard box. But, but he, but he took it well. Nice little turn. Oh, he, he took it well because I can't remember. I, I'm not sure if it was Ranko, but someone else had a also very free header, I think on the last kick of the game or at the very end of the game and put it right into the hands of the keeper. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I mean, he, he hasn't been known for scoring tons of goals either, but I mean, he already, just from the brief glimpses we've got, he looks like a good addition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. I think that's a, a, a quality signing. So when you talk about their, when we talk about there not being a lot of signings, the one thing I'll say is that the ones they have do look uh, quite quality. I, I would also say that, and again, small sample sizes. I mean, let, let's talk about that. The fact that we're in 2023 and we're still not able to get live streams of preseason games is quite disappointing. Yeah. Do do we Do we need to talk about that? No, I just wanted to make mention of oh, it. It's just, it oh, okay. really irritates me that, yeah. I mean, Sarita's doing a great job. She's, she's filming the stuff behind the goal. She's getting it up really quick for folk to see. So full credit to her. She's doing a stellar job down there getting all the information out. And I know it's not the Caps' fault that these can't be streamed. But in 2023, when you're wanting to find out about stuff, especially when it's an actual, well, I was going to say it's a tournament. It's not a tournament because there's bugger all at stake from it. It's just glorified friendlies. It would just be nice to see streams of the matches. But from the brief glimpses that we are seeing, one of the things that's impressed me is the delivery of some of these crosses from Pedro Viti and Ryan Gold. It's just needing some folk to take them, which hopefully Cordova could be that guy. But there's been some really nice deliveries, set pieces, general crosses. Yeah. um, Yeah, there's been some some good moments. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when we do get we're able to actually watch watch one of these matches in full again. Like if that was one good thing about the the Hamburg game is you could watch the whole thing and mm. and 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 you know uh, dissect it more. But yeah, it'll be nice to. Uh, are there any of these going to be live? As far as I know, no. Oh okay, yeah, that's. But that, that's, I mean, that things can change. But as far as I know, no. That's not ideal. So I mean, there that there's positives from from what we have seen so far i mean it's best to hear from the man on the sidelines himself as to what he's seen from the the preseason so far what he's liked what he hasn't liked what he feels the need to work on and just what state he hopes the club is going to come back to vancouver in at, at the end of the month let's hear now from the gaffer vanny sartini hey there vanny how are you doing good mike how are you Good. You missed the snow. I'm sure you're going to be disappointed by that. Yeah, you know, it's always beautiful when I woke I wake up and there's snow outside. So, yeah, but my my wife sent me pictures, so it's okay. I thought she would. <laughs> yeah, I I love it too, so I mean it's fine. Down Palm Springs just now. What what are you hoping for to come out of these two and a half weeks? Obviously, you had the 45 minutes on Wednesday and then it's going to be like five more games there. What are you looking for from your team by the time it's time to come back to Vancouver? Well, I hope that in two weeks we're going to do the the same thing that we're doing now at a higher speed. Uh, Like uh, even today at the game, uh, there was a lot of positives, but I still don't see the, I would say, the necessary level of intensity for the entire game. And so... 
what I've seen is a lot of positive because the players are really into our new way of playing and the the things, the tactical thing that we want to do it. Uh, what we're trying to do in these two weeks is really have uh, match rhythm. So the thing that we're trying to apply now, it's going to be easier to apply in two weeks because we are in a better shape. And also we are going to do it the same thing that we're doing now at a higher speed. What are you expecting from Brian White going, in, not just into the preseason, but looking ahead into the season before? Didn't have the best year last year, but do you believe that he is capable of holding the line as a as a striker? So uh, I'm biased because uh, uh, Brian is, like for the characteristic of player that he is, is one of my favorite strikers in the world. So that's, uh, uh, I think if he's able to, uh, uh, to, uh, to stay healthy, basically. Last year, it was very a very unlucky year for him because an injury at the beginning, then the concussion, then he broke his ribs, and and he was never hundred percent. If he's able to stay healthy, is is going to be able to help us to help us in a way that uh, with his link up play, with his pressing, and uh, with his being at the in the right space at the right time, and uh, uh, in. He needs to understand that he's going to be uh, a very important player for the team, uh, even if he's not going to score 20 goals, but he's going to be help the team score a lot of goals. Actually, just following on from what you just said to Joshua there, so if Brian White's one of your favourite strikers in the world, who who else have you got up there? Who What kind of strikers do you really admire? And what qualities do you, you look for in a striker, aside from obviously scoring goals? Yeah, I, I like strikers that can play for the team and then they're really good at uh, pressing and uh, they're able to, uh, I would say, make the uh, entire team play better. Of course, besides the big, big name that scored a lot of goals. Like let's say on the big one, I really like uh, Mane from Bayern Munich, Sadio Mane from Bayern Munich. And uh, but you know I don't th- I don't think he's available on the market, but it's okay. <laughs> Anyone from MLS that we can put you on the spot that you'd like to bring in? Um, yeah, you know we love we love a lot. Of, I like a lot of players in MLS, but you know it's like uh, it's like betraying my kids if I say that I like someone else. So I like more I like more my players. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You've spoken last season and so far this season that you want to have a squad as opposed to starting 11. So with these five games, is it just important to have a look at everyone in as many different scenarios as possible? Or by the end of them, are you kind of wanting to more get some chemistry going with who you might see starting the first couple of games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I think we, we have like... A, at least 16 17 starters and uh, so everyone will rotate starting the games this uh, uh in this five uh, game uh just to see everyone and also to see everyone uh with different people next to them i give you an example today i played sebastian instead of kubas we all know that Kubas is a very important player, but I also have to see Sebastian playing with uh, uh, Julian and Shopfi uh, because uh, 
in in a game, if Kubas is not there, Sebastian is going to play with 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 the with, with those kind of midfielder. He's not going to play a, with with different with with different kind of players. So. Uh, Mm, so today we didn't utilize uh, Luis, Rusty, Dajo. They are very important player, and will and they will start next game. So that's uh, some something that we try to do in order to keep the competition high because I think it's important, and also to see which is the best dynamic with different with the player because it's not most of the time it's not just uh, one player in that position, but how this player connect with the player around him. So the gaffer, Vanni Sartini, there just chatting about what, what he'd like to see from this spell down in Palm Springs, falling on from Marbella. So they've got four more games lined up down in Palm Springs. They're playing Toronto on Wednesday the 8th, then St. Louis on the 12th. Also on the 12th, they've just added a game against Las Vegas Lights, the USL Championship side. And then they round up their time down there with a game against Minnesota on the 18th before heading back to Vancouver, ready for the season opener against RSL at BC Place on the 25th. So we had a little bit of what Vanny's hoping from, from the squad there, that they find their groove, the chemistry, they get just get things clicking. Ideally, Zach, what are the Whitecaps going to look like when they get back to Vancouver? Are you hoping to see a team that is fully integrated, clicking, got that chemistry we know we're not going to see a settled starting eleven because that's not Vanny's style, but hopefully we've seen enough standout performances that makes you feel that whoever is in there, the chemistry is there. Yeah, I guess in some in some ways, I I, I mean, I think all of us in our own way kind of disagree with Vanny's approach, or to to at least to some level. But I, you know, I guess what I'm hoping for them is that they do have like it is obvious who should be that starting eleven, right? Like I think this is a a season where they have reached the point where it's very clear and obvious, much like VAR, uh, who who should who should be who should that starting eleven be? Who should be those who are rotating in and out based on you know suspensions and injuries and whatnot? But yeah, I, I guess I also hope that they come back fit and healthy uh, and 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 ready to go. Um, yeah, I mean Vanny, he's he's talked before about having I've got a start in twenty two. And then he mentioned there, well, I've got 16 kind of key starters. So it's getting down a little bit. I can probably yeah. add two more in with Takaoka, although I guess that would still be just one of the... No, no, that would still take it up to 17 and then Cordova would be 18. But I mean, I, I hope if we do add those two players that we talked about in the first part, that they can fully integrate themselves pretty quickly. It will still be a little bit of a learning curve for Cordova, but he is going to be used to some stuff, so it should be a oh, lot yeah. quicker than some of the other guys. Like, if they had signed Baribo, you've always yeah. got that worry, is he going to fit in? Is he is he going to be tired after this the season? Which Yeah, and how long will it take him to get up to speed, right? Yeah, like, so I mean, yeah. there's always all those concerns. So, like, Cordova, whilst it might not be the sexiest signing they could have got, I think it, it could be a good one. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating and as you can tell, we're looking at the two of us. We love to eat our puddings. That's it from our, our chat about the Whitecaps down in Palm Springs. We've got more Whitecaps chat coming 
and we've got a couple of feature interviews to bring you next. And we'll be back with the first of those after this. Hi, I'm to St. Ricketts, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. When I buy my mansion, I'll invite the world to stay So everyone can see a picture of Dorian Gray There's a bottle river, drinking lemon tea And there's a thousand midget Russians in midget submarines you can bring your friends You can come and stay For a day And see a picture of Dorian Gray Take you to my mansion Can see you in my gallery Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. And kicking off this part, it's our second and final track tonight from our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of February. From London, England, post-punk pioneers, television personalities... That was a song taken from their 1981 debut album, and don't the kids just love it, that was a picture of Dorian Gray. I'm sure we'd all love to have a picture of Dorian Gray in our houses. Keep us young, keep our lives going for as long as we can. I'm sure there's a few footballers over the years, especially in a Whitecaps jersey, that we'd love to see have a picture of Dorian Gray in their house, maybe still be able to do the, the business for us. In fact, if any of the old Whitecap strikers do actually have a picture of Dorian Gray and feel that they're still good to go, get in touch, because yeah, we, we want as many goals as we, we can from the team this year. That feels, with, with the defence kind of shoring up, that the season's make or break could be whether they do get everything done in an offensive side of things. And a reminder that this show is part of CITR Radio's Fun Drive Week help support the radio station in their quest to get a new transmitter so that the station on our show can be heard far and wide with this new transmitter because there has been issues. Uh, I, if you've tried to tune in to see ITR radio over the years, sometimes, depending where you are in the lower mainland, it's not the strongest reception. So they, they really want to raise that $20,000 for the new transmitter. Reminder, you can go to citr.ca backslash donate donate what you can every single dollar would be appreciated mention AFTN as the show that sent you there as well good for us helps them want to keep us on the the airwaves as well and remember we are 
the only soccer show on Vancouver Radio. Let's talk about some more soccer just now. And one of the players that we've seen him more in an attacking role for his first three seasons at the club, that is Ryan Raposo. But it's going to be a bit of a new role for Ryan this year. We're going to hear from Ryan shortly, but before that, I asked Whitecaps head coach Vanny Sartini just for his thoughts on Ryan going into his fourth year with the club and what he sees as his role with the Blue and White in 2023. Here's what the gaffer had to tell me. So looking at the lineup today, because obviously we haven't really seen anything from the game apart from the, the, the goal, it looked like Ryan Raposo was playing left back again. Is that how you see him in the team, like left left back or left wing back this year? Yeah, you know, so the idea at the moment, and then, of course, we can always change. But the idea is to play with the back four, and, and Ryan is a fullback, in my opinion. And uh, we actually, so I actually told him in November in our exit bidding that that was, was going to be the idea for next year and to uh, study SAA, take a, a fullback that you love in the top of the game, can be whoever, can be, I don't know, Alexander Arnold can be I don't know uh, Cancelo can be whoever and uh, and study him if you wanna if you wanna see if you wanna have an inspiration and uh, because the that is where you uh, I try you to play this this season next season so he came already knowing that uh, he was going to try to play uh, to try to fight for a spot there and he is actually doing well and. Uh, He's working a lot on his 1v1 defensively. Uh, last year, as a wingback, he improved a lot in the tactical part, attacking, defending, being linked with the game. So I think he can be... We have a we have solution there. Because today we play him and Gervais, but we have Luis, we have uh, Christian Gutierrez, we have Ali Ahmed. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I think the fullback at the moment are a position where... It is uh, really up for grab because everyone actually, the four that uh, uh, we played so far, Javay, uh, Luis, uh, Ali, and Ryan, they all showed very good things, and uh, I think that is uh, everyone has the chance to become. I don't want to say a regular starter, but to to play all the games. So Vanny Sartini there just chatting about Ryan Raposo's new role that he sees for him with the team this year. And whereas maybe the Christian Dahomey transition to left-back, left-wing-back didn't really work out too well last year, slight understatement there, you kind of feel that for Ryan, it's a, a whole different animal. We saw a lot of his defensive game improving last year. I was very impressed by the defensive shifts that he put in. He's a guy that's young. He can get up and down that wing. He's got the pace. He's got the skill. He knows how wingers play to try and defend against them. And it's something I know that he is looking forward to taking on and embracing this year. So I got a chance to sit down with Ryan on Monday just to chat about his three seasons at the club so far, going into year four. Crazy to think he's been here that long already. And how he sees 2023 shaping out and a few more things as well. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy the first of our two feature interviews in this episode. Here's Ryan. 
So thanks for for joining us today, Ryan. I know it's been a busy pre-season. Nice pre-season as well. You're away from all the rain that's here in Vancouver at the moment. But is it just good to be back at it and back in the swing of things? Yeah. No, it's awesome to be back. I think um, this is probably the best pre-season that I've been a part of. So this is my fourth year. Um, I think uh, in comparison to last year, it's it's been night and day um, in terms of the quality of trainings and the quality of opponents, which is the biggest part, um, you know, kind of playing in this competitive tournament with other MLS teams. I thought, I thought that's what we lacked last year was we, we never really played an MLS team in preseason. And then once the season came, uh, you know, it was obviously difficult to adjust. So this year there's no excuses. You know, we had a long training camp in Marbella where we played against some really good opposition. Now we're here playing against the MLS team. So I think in terms of preseason, I think, it's been it's been a perfect setup. Now I I know you spoke to to JJ at the province uh, about this, but I was going to ask you this as well. And you're probably going to get sick of folk mentioning this to you this year. You're one of the veterans now, yeah, and crazy. you're not even 24 yet. I mean, it, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. It, it's it just felt like yesterday. I'm the rookie, you know, picking up the bags, and now all of a sudden we were talking about it in the car yesterday. I think I'm like one of the most capped players on the team currently. I think like a third or fourth most capped player on the team behind, uh, I think just Dahal, Ronco, and Russell. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's again, like I said, it's crazy. When you look back, and it, I mean, it must feel so much has happened since you were drafted yeah. in your career, like just in the world and everything that, that's happened. Has it been a bit of a blur the the last sort of three years, do you still remember that draft day as if it was yesterday? Yeah, the draft day felt like it was yesterday. Yeah, these I wouldn't say these seasons have gone by quick. Um, like I've said previously, like my first two years, 2020, 2021, I, I was like pretty injured. I had like a pelvic floor, hip, like everything, core dysfunction and for me, I'm not the type of person or player to kind of back down or, or pull myself out, which in hindsight, I may should have. It may have been better um, long term. Um, but now that I would say that I'm fully fit and fully healthy, it's like, again, it's night and day from the player that I used to be. Um, and even then I was playing then through injury and I lost some confidence because I wasn't able to do things that I knew I was capable of doing. Um, but yeah, every single off season I've, I've worked at it and, and finally I'm at a place where I know I, I should have been. I mean, last season from, from us looking in, it, it felt like, uh, not necessarily a make or break season for you, but it, in some ways it did. We've seen it here with players before year three is the, the year where the club decide, do we want to continue with this guy or are we going to look for, for something new? Did you feel that pressure going into it, especially having maybe not played as much in the, the previous two seasons? Um, yeah, I would say so because it was the last year of my guaranteed contract. So going in, I knew that I had to show something, show the, the staff, the coaches, something for them to then pick up my option. Um, and it's the same thing this year. 
Um, I would say, you know, they picked up my option and now it's about the next step of proving myself that I am that guy and I am that player and and um, make the club want to sign me long term. I'm just looking at your your stats for the the three years that that we've had and it's like the whole time your minutes uh, have increased dramatically I mean almost fourfold last year in minutes right yeah your appearances your starts everything increased we'll get to your your first goals and stuff in a in a second getting that extra playing time and I know it kind of goes without saying but it felt it just gave you that confidence and you really hit your stride and as the season went on we just we really saw you grow did you feel that yourself? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I always and I, I always knew it. Seriously, when uh, whenever the first two years, whenever I was playing like shit, which is more often than not, I knew that that wasn't who I was. So it was more frustrating mentally. Like the physical injury was difficult, but mentally it was it was horrible. Not only obviously COVID going on and being away from family and being isolated, but knowing the fact that I couldn't give the team a hundred percent, which was, yeah, it was, it was again, difficult for me, but this year, I mean, the, the last year, um, I think the confidence came back, you know, when I obviously scored the goal and, and uh, start to get string some starts together. That's when, you know, okay. The coaching staff trusts me. Now I can. Now I have a bit more freedom um, to express myself. And yeah, I thought last year there was definitely some more glimpses of the type of player I am. And I, I'm. I think this year will uh, solidify that, and hopefully the fans and, and the supporters will see the the type of player that I truly am. Well, let, let's talk about your first goal, right. April second. 2022 it's going to be a date that's etched in your your memory for a long time not only your first pro goal but a match winner as well in a big game at bc place against sport in kansas city can you just remember it like everything that happened i I watched it back last night just to kind of see Mm -hmm. what it was again but like can you just picture it as if it was just like seconds ago getting goosebumps thinking about (laughs) it seriously nice uh yeah, I think, you know, especially being Canadian, uh, supporting the MLS growing up, I think, uh, yeah, I think it meant more to me than a lot of people can understand. Um, having my, I just found out, I mean, the night before, two nights before that I was going to get the start. So, yeah, obviously I quickly called my mom to fly in. And so the fact that she was able to be there um, was... Yeah. That's like, it's probably one of the greatest moments in my white cap history uh, since I've been with the team. And I was thinking, we were talking about that yesterday, Nathan and I, I would say the top three greatest moments so far have been, yeah, my first goal, Canadian championship. And then actually two days ago, um, I was able to captain the side against uh, Charlotte. So I thought those are my top three highlights. But yeah, going back to that goal, it was just a blur. Um, you know, I played the ball back to Baldy. He was asking for it. And Vinny's always asking for, you know, after you play the ball, he wants those attacking attacking runs. So I made one in behind. He dropped it in. Um, and I just tracked the ball and I was able to toe, pack, uh, toe, toe touch it past. And, yeah, the celebration, I mean, you see it in my celebration. I, like, 
from there, after I scored, before I'm fully locked in, I know what's happening. But after the ball hits the back of the net, it's actually like a blur until maybe like when I get subbed off and I sit like it was, uh, yeah, what a feeling that was. Yeah. Uh, it was it was lovely as well that your mum was there. I remember you talking about it after the match and stuff as well, and it it, it was great. I'll throw in a fourth moment as well because your debut that that you made mm-hmm. to make it in LA as well against yeah, yeah. like outside of North America. If you ask people to name an MLS team, LA Galaxy is the one. Yeah. Maybe not as much now, but definitely was in the past. I yeah. mean that that was. Like in many ways, the culmination of your journey, but also the start of your your next journey. Mm. When you look back to to that time, you got the assist as well with the the through ball that you gave to Ali Adnan. That seems so far ago that Ali Adnan was with the club, but it's, it's like that that whole moment for you as well. Did you feel this is just the start, and yeah. now I've just got to keep building and building and building? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um... I've always been a player that never lacked confidence my whole career. Um, and so obviously when that happened, I never, I've never feared an opponent, whatever, like Canadian championship playing against Bernadeschi and Signe, never even, never even, never even made a thought in my head that it was, you know, surreal or something. Um, but yeah, that first game versus LA, I thought it was just natural to me. I was coming off a good season at Syracuse where I was scoring and assisting every game. So and then I came off the preseason where my first game I scored against Columbus. I, my third game or second game I scored against Dallas. And then I go into uh, that game against LA Galaxy and I get an assist. And it was just more so like me in a rhythm. And that's what I was used to. So it's a shame, obviously, that COVID happened because um, I felt like I was getting into a good rhythm. And COVID definitely was a massive part of my uh, injury. Uh, not being able to train and not being able to move as much really affected myself. But yeah, now now that I've got my a lot of my confidence back, um, it's it's definitely reflecting on the field. I, I don't want to dwell too much on the past because obviously we want to look at the season to come and stuff. But I, I was thinking when I was kind of putting this together, mm. it just felt so bad because you made your debut, you got the assist, then the world shut down after that. And it's like, you didn't have that chance to, to mm. kind of build on. But let's look at the last thing from last year that I want to talk about, which was the Canadian Championship and the, and the performance that you had in that. I think for many people, that was kind of your breakout performances and your breakout tournament. We all knew, but we saw what you could do at Syracuse. We knew what potential you had, but it just seemed that you just rose to the occasion. You really raised your game during that tournament last year. You you scored, you put in some great performances, and at the end of it, you lifted your, your first trophy as a pro. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, it, it meant a bit more, obviously, playing against Toronto. And even this year, when we had the draw, I was telling Tosin and Ricketts that I wanted, I wanted Toronto FC in Toronto set up for the final because... Obviously, yeah, playing on Toronto FC as a kid and them releasing me and the whole story behind that, you know, it's a, just an extra chip on my shoulder. Um, but, yeah, I would say, yeah, the Canadian Championship, that whole tournament, I, I had a pretty good run. But, yeah, it was continuation from the league. I thought I was putting in some good performances in, in the league and I was one of the more consistent guys within the team in, in terms of performances. And, yeah, I was, I was happy with where I was at. 
the 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 thing with like being a Canadian kid and playing here, and obviously we know you grew up on the East Coast. Does Vancouver feel like home for you now? Yeah, it it for sure does. Now maybe the first year not so much. When I went home, it felt more like home back to Hamilton. But now when I go back to Hamilton, it feels like I'm away from home. So yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've really embraced the city, and yeah, I love everything about it. Um, I actually just moved into a new place in Olympic Village, so excited to nice. get back to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, excited. Cool. Well, yeah. th- this year's uh, another big year for you, and you've mm-hmm. talked already wearing the captain's armband in pre-season. I spoke to Vanny last week, and we, we were chatting about you, and he mentioned that he, he sees you possibly in this new role, maybe as a full-back, left-back. We know you can play on the right as well. How have those discussions gone, and what what was your kind of initial reaction when he told you that he he saw you maybe playing that kind of position? You know what? I thought I would excel at the position. To be honest, uh, as a defender, I'm aggressive, I'm agile, I'm quick, I'm able to keep up with the skillful, you know, wingers, um, like in training and that sort of stuff. So at the end of the last year, when he brought me in and said, you know, next year we're looking to play with the back four, I see you as left back, right back. Um, I want you to watch some film and, and sort of train on those sort of things in the off season. I embraced it. Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't say I even got upset for one second. Of course, I love playing winger and, and being that player that attacks the defenders and makes their life miserable. But I would say that I've really embraced the role of the opposite of making the wingers' lives horrible, <laughs> you know, not letting them have a step. And and if they do, I'm almost inviting them to try and push it down the wing so I could hunt them hunt them down and, and make a big challenge for the for the team. And yeah, I would say again, I've really embraced the challenge and uh I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to play it. Uh I think that I could contribute a lot to this team and help the team win trophies in that position. So at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing for myself and, and for the club. I mean, we've seen it. It's happened here a couple of times, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. I mean, Dajo last year, which Vanny spoke about, so I won't mention that. But the big success, Alfonso Davies was the winger. Carl mm. Robinson turned him into a left back and, and look at what's happened to him. I think anyone that watched you play last year saw how much your defensive game really rose. And like you put in some absolutely fantastic defensive shifts and tracking back. Has it been a a fairly easy transition then by the sounds of it? I mean, what's been the the toughest parts for you to learn, do you think? Um, You know what? I, I really think the transition has been really fluid. Last year playing from wing back to from winger to wing back was super easy and maybe this transition is maybe a little more difficult because it's a bit more defensive work um but i've always been that winger that was capable of defending and pressing and and, and that sort of thing and even previously at syracuse um you know he our coach wanted the wingers to man mark the fullbacks so more often than not the fullbacks were getting high and i was having to play in that deep role um, basically as a wing back. So yeah, I would say I'm really comfortable. I'm really confident there. And and yeah, I wouldn't say there's there hasn't been much of a learning curve. That's fantastic to hear. Uh, the team this year as well, just last couple of things. Yeah. So 
very good year because you've you've got four different competitions that you're fighting on and you've got new opponents that you're playing as well. You know you're playing Leon, you know that you've got at least one game, hopefully more, in the yeah. Champions League and that you're you're gonna be going down to Latin America for that. How excited are you at these new opportunities, these new teams and new challenges that you've got? Yeah, it's um I think the whole team's excited. Uh I think that this is no, I I don't think. I know it's I I know this is the best team that I've been a part of in the past four years, which is encouraging for all of our supporters. Um in terms of depth, in terms of the guys and the bond that we have, you know, I would say in previous years, it's the the group has really been divided with clicks and that sort of thing where this year, everyone is close with everyone. Everyone gets along. So, and I think that's important. And I think it, it translates well to the field. Um, and I think it's something the supporters will, will be able to see this year. Uh, um, and yeah, in terms of the competitions, um, I would love for this club to transition into a club that's a winning club, you know, that winning is the standard and not the bare minimum of, you know, just qualifying and that sort of thing. So that's where I envision this club to be. And I hope this year is the first year where people really say, wow, you know, the Vancouver Whitecaps, they, they went to the final of this competition. They won this competition and, and, and that sort of thing. So I would say, we're really trying to win every competition, Champions League, Canada Cup, Leagues Cup, all of them. So MLS Cup. So, yeah, again, that's that's where I hope for us to transition and, and not to just compete and have a participant medal, but to win every single trophy. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to end. I can't really ask you too much more after that because I think that's just what everyone wants to hear. That's what everyone wants from the club. Talking of winners, though, I was going to mention your old university, Syracuse, becoming champs. Did did you watch that final? And obviously you've got Levante here now as well. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a really special moment for myself. I'm still, I still, just this morning I was chatting on the phone with uh one of the assistant coaches of Syracuse that I, I speak with on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was massive, massive for the program. Obviously Levante being a big part and yeah, growing up, I played with Levante. So I know what he's capable of. He's a good player, really good guy. And, and uh, yeah, it was huge for the program and, and yeah, it's awesome to see obviously as an alumni. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Ryan. Good luck for this season to come and can't wait to see you back on the pitch here in Vancouver. Thank you. Take care. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. So great stuff there from Ryan Raposo. Love chatting to Ryan. His enthusiasm is contagious and you just you just want the the best for the guy, Zach. And I mean, last year, as we talked about there with him, it felt such an important year for him. The final year of his three-year guaranteed deal, he knew he had to perform. And he'd had those injuries that stopped him performing at the levels that he'd wanted in the first two years, and then obviously COVID had disrupted stuff as well. But I liked what I saw of him last year, and I think he kind of came into his own in the league last year. Yeah, it's like he took a step up last year. And now Vanny is 
hoping for for hoping for him to take another step another step up and so and another, I, in a different position as well yeah and yeah that exactly so you know I, I, I like Ryan he's a he seems like a, a quality fellow um and I hope he's able to continue to tr- contribute to the team um but like last year with with Dajo I I fear that this is maybe not the best for for him as a as a player right it might be what Vanny thinks Vanny believes is the best for the team but I I mean and I, I'm happy to be proven wrong but I, I have a little bit concerned if he's going to be playing primarily as a wing back in this league because it's not it's not just playing in that role it's also uh well it depends partly who's playing on the other side but we've seen how teams teams are not you know teams do their scouting and they will key on you yeah, I mean, they're, they're always going to go for what they perceive to be the weakest link. And yeah. it might not necessarily be Ryan, depends how things line up. But, I mean, he spoke there. Vanny's talked to him about, ideally, they might be looking to play four at the back more regularly than three at the back. So you're looking at him slotting into a left-back or a right-back role because he can play on either side. And... He saw a lot of time in right wing. He saw a lot of time in left wing. So, I mean, it, it's been left back that we've seen him so far. Vanny obviously has faith in him. I mean, as crazy... I mean, we started off the interview talking about this. As crazy as it is to think of him, he's a veteran in the team. Because it's his fourth season and he's not he's even He's not a Daniel Henry veteran, but yeah. No. He, is but, there is there any update on, on uh, that I've missed on Gutierrez? Um, he's still coming back on a, from an injury. So, he's still coming back but I mean you're looking at left back of Gutierrez Martins or Raposo yeah how big is this injury I don't think it's major I mean he's definitely okay. going to be in the mix okay cool yeah um so I mean it's a good thing to have that the, the I, I thought more about it after we talked about it on the show last week and then before speaking to Ryan first of all what I like about it is he's genuinely excited by the opportunity to have this and but he's a but he's a good professional who I think he would say that you know, yeah. whatever, whatever's placed in true. the team. True, true. I mean, you're not going to want to come out and go, yeah, I don't like this. Although we have had some players in the past that have said that. But, That's true. I mean, sometimes they don't work out like Dajo. Sometimes they do work out like Alfonso Davies, obviously a special talent, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, sometimes these unlikely switches can happen. What I did like about him and why I think it could work and what I thought about, and then one thing that Ryan mentioned in his chat about it is, what I think is good is we saw his growth defensively last year. And we talked about it on the show a number of times. He was putting in a hell of a defensive shift at points and really coming back and tracking back well and doing well defensively. And as Ryan mentioned there, coming from a winger role, he knows how wingers think, he knows how wingers want to play and how he could maybe be defending against that. Now, knowing and doing it is two different things when you're coming up against some top-quality opposition. But it does give him a head start in that he does know how to possibly defend and what to look out for. But I I, I do like his growth defensively as a player. Yeah, and he and, and that's the upside of the experiences he had last year. He showed that, yeah, he can... Uh, he can contribute from that from that role. I mean, the one the one thing I I think I like about him uh, over some of the other people maybe who have played there in, in before is you never question like his commitment, his yeah. uh, uh, his uh, his work rate, right? Like he's always like giving his all, and so 
I think that's helpful. And I think that's also one of the reasons why Vanny likes him. Yeah. Because he, he knows that he'll go and do, he'll do the hard work that he wants him to do, uh, both defensively and, and, and offensively as well. Well, I mean, you, you saw the, the faith that he's, he's had him. He's had him wearing the armband in one of the preseason games for a spell. So, I mean, he thinks highly of him that way. He does know that he's a guy that is going to give his all and has that enthusiasm. I like Ryan's confidence as well, because you need that in a play. You have to believe that, yeah, I can adapt to everything. I also like that he challenges himself and says, what you saw from me in those first two years is not what I expect of myself. It's not Mm -hmm. what I've been as a player in the past. And yes, some of it was going to a higher level. Some of it was just being derailed by injury. I mean, he makes his debut against LA Galaxy and then the world shuts down. So it's like little things like that that's gone against him. So I I wish him all the best. We said this last year on the show, but he's one of those guys you really want to root for. You want him to succeed. The Whitecaps have sometimes struggled a little bit to, to have guys that it's like, oh, I really want him to do well. But he's one of those guys, no matter what, you just just root for the guy. He's just a a great guy. Totally. So that was the first of our feature interviews for this episode. Looking at the the present and really the future for the team and a young lad like Ryan Raposo. We're going to chat to a guy, though, that's given his all for club and country for the last 14 years. He's recently hung up his boots. That is to St. Ricketts, and we'll be back chatting to him after this. Hi, it's Nardwar, the human serviette from CITR Radio. Please donate to the fun drive! And keep on washing your hands in the free world, and do, 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 Nate. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I write songs to this life I commit, but I still don't write better than my first rap shit. Don't know what it is, every mic that I grip doesn't seem to feel the same as my first night gig. Every cypher that I'm in, crowds still show me love, they don't give the same reaction that my freestyles did. I keep going till I finally get hit, and they tell me it's not better than my first rap shit. With bad moments and sad poems Rap spoken and now I'm focused on fast growing But looking back in the past We had high emotive, higher plays Roger stage, now it lies folded huh? What has happened in my passionate sticks? I feel I'm the same kid But it's fell off a cliff They won't drive it like it's stolen Here's hoping they'd shift But they stayed in the lane When the rating went left Hey, might be lightning But the thunder connects You missed when I was striking Only heard the reflect Reflect on that back It was as good as it gets And maybe I got better But the storm it had set And now they stormy and gets and I'm not getting the songs We was getting along, now just wanna get on But the accent and slang, who you try kid on? I'm trying to be me but no lying and all I write songs to this life I commit But I still don't write better than my first rap shit Don't know what it is, every mic that I grip Doesn't seem to feel the same as my first night gig Every cypher that I'm in, crowds still show me love They don't give the same reaction that my freestyles did I keep going till I finally get hit And they tell me it's not better than my first rap shit Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia And kicking off this part 
It's friend of the show, Word SOS, along with Deco. That's a song from the Scottish rapper's new five-track EP, the Unplanned EP, that just came out last week. You can find it on word.bandcamp.com. That was the third track on the EP, called First Rap. It also features Glasgow rapper Mog, but the, the bit that we've snipped to use in the show didn't feature him, it was just Word and Deco there. As you know, we've featured Word a lot on the show. Where's a regular listener on the show as well, big Celtic fan. He supports us. Go over to Bandcamp and support him and Deco. Download the new EP. Check out his back catalogue as well. Some really good stuff on there. First Rap was the name of that track. And we all remember our first time. In fact, we've had a segment on the show with players over the years... Do you remember your first time, their first goal, their first pro start, first other notable firsts in their, their careers? That's something we need to dig back out again. Because the trouble from a White Cats perspective is so many of the players are, are so young right now that you want to get some of the, the veterans that can be involved with that. And of course, one of the, the veterans on the team that just recently hung up his boots is to St. Ricketts. And Toss was actually a guy that we did. Do you remember your first time with uh, a few years back now? But Toss made the decision this year to finally hang his boots up after a a stellar footballing career. 14 years in the pro game. 10 clubs and a university played for. Plying his trade in 8 different countries. 93 goals and 388 appearances for club and country. 17 in 61 appearances for the Canadian men's national team. Last year with the Whitecaps, four goals and an assist. So Shawnee can still do it, but he has been taking his master's degree in business. That has been the big focus of his career and his his plan going forward. Didn't want to go down the coaching role that a lot of ex-players did. He's more interested in the, the business side of the game and as we spoke to him before about that, just wanting to make the game a better place for the younger players coming through. And with some of his tales and the experiences that he's had, it's certainly an ideal person to have in any front office. And I genuinely feel that the Whitecaps are very lucky to have him in there. He's got the new role. His official role now is liaison of club and player engagement. And he's going to be a very busy man this year and moving forward with the Whitecaps. Got a chance to sit down with Toss on Monday. He's down in Palm Springs with the team as well. Just to look back a little bit on his career. Not a full retrospective of his career, because we did that with him a, a few years ago as well. But just to look back at some of the highlights, his decision to hang up his boots, his recent punditry job during the World Cup as well with TSN, and a lot more besides. So go stick the kettle on again, grab yourself another biscuit, because you are worth it. Sit back and enjoy our chat with Tassane Ricketts. So Toss, thank you for joining us today. Obviously, the announcement was made last month that you've you've hung up your boots. I think a few of us thought this might be the the season that you decided to do it, but did a lot of thought go into it? 
did part of you say I can I can still do this? I got goals last year. I can still keep going. Um, yes, I mean personally, I I do feel I I could have stepped. I could have kept going. I could have kept playing, and kept pushing. Um, but you know the thing in life is that sometimes you you feel that it's the right time, and just with uh, you know a bunch of pieces coming together, you know one side not looking as promising as the other. Um, it just felt like now was the right time to, you know, step off the pitch and, and move into a new role where I can, um, where I feel I can do bigger things. Yeah. Well, we'll come to your, your new role in a, in a bit. And I know we've chatted before about stuff that, that you'd been doing on your, your <clears> business <throat> degree and everything. You're down in Palm Springs just now. So when you're seeing the guys on the pitch, I've asked a lot of players this after they've retired is it hard not to just want to get out there and join in? Are you kind of um, having to hold yourself back? <laughs> I mean, I thought that's what it would feel like, um, you know, and obviously I do love the game. I do miss playing and I, I mostly miss just being with the guys on the pitch and having those, those moments. Um, but I feel like I can still help them and still push them from the other side, you know, whether it's um, small things like, you know, just making a player understand a situation a little bit deeper to keep him more focused and on his task and on his duties and to help players just eliminate all those external things that could, you know, hinder their performances. All those things that I experienced in my time playing in these countries where I was worried about everything else but soccer. So um, the amount of variables, the amount of um, obstacles that I can help relieve off those off the boys uh is is filling my void from being there and, and playing with them on the pitch i mean that 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 shows you've made the right decision because if you're already watching them and thinking oh, i need to get back out there then <laughs> that that is the tough bit but no, I mean, i'll tell you i'll tell you a story too that that kind of helped me with my decision when i was in qatar you know it's a world cup you know you're seeing the whole buzz the high the biggest stage and you know, with TSN, I was going to do hits at the training. So I was I was there seeing Kava, seeing the boys I played with, you know, feeling like, you know, these are my teammates. These are my ex-teammates. Like I could very much be here on the pitch, a part of this roster in the World Cup. And um, I never got that feeling like I was missing out, you know, like I was like, oh, damn, I wish I was on the other side of the of the boards there i wish i wasn't you know doing the interviews and on tv but on the pitch you know working and, and, and getting that you know getting that glory for the country so once i i didn't have that feeling like i was missing out um i knew maybe it was it was time to move on to another another role yeah i i mean what a career you had as well 14 years 10 clubs colleges as well eight different countries when you first came here we had a chat uh, about your career and I'll revisit a little bit of it just because we're doing this now but when you look back at everything that you've achieved how do you feel uh, about your career at this moment in time I feel fulfilled you know um, I wrote it in a post mm. um, I feel like I did everything in my power you know I took every opportunity, I took every risk, I sacrificed family, friends, comfort, you know, I gave everything to the game. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm content. I'm content with the career I put out. I'm uh, most happy about the connections and the relationships I built 
throughout those years um, across the world. You know, I still talk to people from Romania. I still, and that was my second club. I still have friends that I met in Finland at my first club. Still got my group chat with my university boys. You know, like these are connections. These are 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 moments that are priceless. And you know, I feel I feel like on the football side, my my cup is full, <laughs> and I um definitely fulfilled my dreams as a player. I mean, you got to see the world as well. You you got to see stuff that a lot of people just and countries that a lot of people never go to, like Romania, like Finland, and turkey all these different countries that maybe players when they think i want to play overseas they don't think of that when you look at the experiences that that you've had off the pitch as well how has that shaped you to be the man that you are today those experiences those experience molded my character completely um i've learned so much just being in in environments where i can't even speak the language you know i'm on a team where 99% of the players don't speak English and I have to resort resort to different skills like, um, you know, analyzing body language, you know, um, just being able to do deductive reasoning, critical thinking and problem solving on my own in, in, in environments that I'm not comfortable with. Um, I feel like all these experiences, all these travels, going to all these places um, prepared me for life outside of football and fueled my passion for wanting to be on the business side to fill those those gaps and those voids that I was missing throughout my career and those and help fix those problems that I encountered throughout my career. And um, you know, it's 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 really made me who I am and I'm so grateful for every experience and every stop along the way. On the pitch, obviously very successful. 17 goals for your country, 61 caps, is it? I think I've got stuff written down here, but just shy of 400 overall appearances for, for club and country throughout your career. What what are the particular highs that stand out for you? What are the moments that when you're sitting down with your grandchildren, you're getting the scrapbook out and you're going to be like, these these were the, these were the big moments for me? Well, the, the first obvious one is um, MLS Cup. And that whole 2017 run, um, I think back to the moment in my life, I was at Boluspor, you know, second division club, not the greatest club, traditional Turkish city, not a lot of people, um, very different than what you'd experience in Vancouver. Um, but I wasn't being paid on time. I actually spoke up for the boys in a meeting with the president and the coaches because none of the team was being paid on time. And then the following week, I was training with the U19s in the snow. <laughs> So it was not the most ideal environment and I, I was not happy there. But going from that situation to move to Toronto FC, being home in Canada and hearing that national anthem for the first time after fighting for my international transfer certificate from April to August, training with the second team from April to August at TFC, that moment when um, you know I was on the bench for TFC and hearing the national anthem, uh, that's one moment that will stand will stand out to me always, and that's not like a an achievement because of like a you know I played well, scored a bunch of goals. That was just like a a, a personal feeling, and that's what made me appreciate my country, ap- appreciate all the the fortunate things we have here in Canada and and the whole structure. So that was a, definitely a moment. And um, Canada Cup last year, like yeah that was what a way to go out <laughs> yeah like i've won two of them previously so i know what it felt to win 
win it, but it just was a bit different with white caps knowing that there was not a championship or any hardware since 2015 and you know a fan base that was desperate and 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 starving for some type of hardware so giving that to the fans was a very special moment and it meant even more to the people within the organizations so uh that was special yeah. i mean the fact you've got more Canadian Cups than Vancouver has so it's like that that's kind of shows you what your career has been like and that and what ours has been like here but I mean we we talked about it at the time we talked about it on our show after at the end of the year that that was the highlight of the season for me just because we were lucky enough we were allowed to get down on the pitch uh, at the end of the game to chat to you all and, and stuff and just being down there and soaking it all in and seeing the atmosphere of the fans and what it meant and when I first came over here and I was on the south side behind the goat Swan Guard, and we had so much heartbreak in that competition, as I'm sure you've known from from learning about it. And then to to be then all the years later on the pitch, seeing it getting lifted, it it, it was just fantastic, and it was a good way to to go out. At, at what point last year did you think this is going to be it for me now? Um, at no point last year I thought. Oh, so it's just this year. I went into every game wanted to prove wanted to you know provide that spark help the boys you know inspire the fan base i came to every game giving it my all i had no plan of retiring after this season i took it one game at a time wanted to stay healthy wanted to contribute and i did that and um yeah so it's just how things happened after the season you know obviously interests decreases as you get older you know um there's the age stigma but then there's also yeah. on the other side a lot of opportunities. So, you know, it was a bit of a push I needed. But once I started to think really deep about it and think about my 10 year plan, it made sense to do the transition. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in my, my 50s. So to me, you're just a young man at 35. <laughs> so it's like, that's not old at all. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought it was pretty ironic, you know. I get I get retired and then they ship me off to Palm Springs. Like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> get used to it. You're retired now. I'm like, <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, uh, yeah. the, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there would have been interest in the CPL. And obviously, yep. as a guy that can score goals and can mentor young talent, you're going to have had that interest. But we know that you've had your heart set on this business thing and you've talked about your 10-year plan. When we first spoke to you about it, I'd asked you why this side and not the coaching side. And you'd explained, and you, you've mentioned that again now. I take it your degree's all totally finished now? Are you still have, doing the masters, or I have four classes left in my masters, so the last two ten-week terms, so I'm I'm right at the finish line there. It feels good. So you're liaison of club and player engagement. What what does that entail? Well, I mean, my main department is the community department, and that's my main passion is is connecting people. So you know, bringing the club closer to the community, creating those bonds, um, aligning the players with the community, creating those bonds but also internally what partners align with the right players in terms of appearances and, and pushing that aspect, but also helping every department. Um, I've been helping in the marketing department with the brand discussions. I've been helping with events, you know, getting the right players out and doing that. And I also have the capacity to bring in partners and, and generate revenue um, that also aligns with our team values, the players we have and our future goals. So on the business side, there's a there's a lot of freedom to explore, get experiences, learn the ins and outs of every department, but also contribute in a big way, like bringing a 
maybe a sleeve sponsor or a train and top sponsor. So that is nice because I get to sit in those business meetings and really see what that's like and get that experience. Um, but then on the player side, you know, still being that that voice for them, that leader for them, bridging the gap between the communication of players and coaches, players in the front office, and just creating a more cohesive club internally. Um, you know, I, I said in my retirement speech, I feel like the glue guy. So that's kind of like what it is, but at a higher level and more capacity on the business side. So it's it's very fulfilling. It's a it's a role, you know, made designed for me and, and what I was I've been doing over the last two years. But I think going forward, it could be a role for many players that are retiring mm. and to get on the business side. Yeah. Has, has anything really surprised you, good and bad, from sitting into these meetings? Is there things that you've sat there and you thought, I didn't know this kind of stuff happened? Yeah, for me, it's it's just the rules around like partnerships and like how they're structured. And it, it's it's not as easy as I thought it was, you know, Um it's not like you can just go to any partner and say, hey, you know, we're the Whitecaps. Come partner yeah. with us. Give us some money. We'll give you this. No, there's you have to go through the league for certain things. Then you have to go through, you know, the provincial government has to sign off. And there's just there's a process and a way about things that um, you can only learn from being in the environment and, and getting that experience. So that has been the biggest surprise. But um, no, everything has been fairly, fairly straightforward. Uh, my master's program has prepared me excellently for this you know there's not many words acronyms um things or situations that i didn't have like a scenario mock-up run through in my master's so um i i know i made the right choice going to get my education and it's it's paying off and it's applicable this this is such a big year for the club both on the pitch because there's four different competitions that that you're fighting for off it as well, though, and as somebody that's in the business side now and tasked with this engagement, it's going to be a tough year for the club because, I mean, I, I go on media calls and there's maybe not a lot of us on it. At training, there's maybe not a lot of media out. There's other sports battling for the attention in, in the local market. But you've now got the Apple TV deal, which means you're not guaranteed that every single game is going to be on the telly for folk to watch. So how do you go about raising the engagement and the awareness of the club and getting people to buy into it and getting new fans in particular? How do you create the new fans? Yeah, this is where you have to you have to get creative because the Apple deal is good. It's good for the league. It's good for the global recognition and the brand of, of MLS and, you know, attracting those new consumers from around the globe. But like you said, you know, it does have a short term hit on the local demographic and the local market. But that's when it's up to the club to get creative, you know, podcasts, you know, maybe a content series where you can pull in and get firsthand insights from players, coaches and dive a little bit deeper into the happenings because the average consumer may not want to purchase the Apple deal and, and get that subscription. But you know, you can find ways throughout your club and through creativity and innovation to fill those gaps. I, I hear you're stepping into our podcast market. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to have to rely on people like you to, you know, fill the fill the gap and get those color commentary and, you know, paint that picture. But, you know, I think it's an opportunity and yeah. I think it was uh, the right move, you know, speaking to our owners, it's uh, they're happy about it. So, um, I think the league, the league is on the right trajectory. Yeah, 
last couple of things. I don't want to ask you this last because I don't want it to end as if I've asked you something on a negative. But when you look back at, at your career, do you have any regrets? If, if there's anything that you're like, oh, I wish I'd done that or I wish I'd been able to go and play here or something like that? Um, regrets? I wish I would have known what I know now then. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if I would have known what I know now, I would have had a two-month clause, non-payment clause in all my contracts. <laughs> prevented me from having to go the legal route and having to wait four, five, six months sometimes to get my transfer certificate released from the club that I was in dispute with. Um, but no regrets. Um, maybe one regret or one void would be that I never had a professional athlete to look up to as a kid. So I never knew I could become a professional. I just kept pushing the seal and I kept working hard and I just kept determined, you know, until I made it. So grassroots inspiration, you know, that's, I mean, not having that, that's not really a regret, but it's definitely something I missed. Last thing I want to ask you about, you touched on it. You were in Qatar. You were doing the, the punditry at the World Cup. I, I, you were excellent at it. I'm not just saying that to butter you up because you're on it. it. You were a lot of fun to watch. A lot of the time I don't watch the punditries because there's a couple of the guys that maybe irritate me a little bit. That's all I'll say. You can say names. You can say names. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I can't. Okay. I won't. You nearly got me to say <laughs> that. <there. was> <laughs> but let's just say sometimes Scots don't like fellow Scots. Anyway, um, the the job that you did there, like the whole experience, I mean, it, it looked amazing. Where the studio was, you're right in the heart of it, and you're, you were getting to cover some amazing dramatic games. Like on paper, you might have looked and thought, oh, I'm doing this these games today, they're maybe not some of the better games, and then they turned out to be their most amazing games. How did you find all that experience? And is this something that you you want to be more involved with TV side? You've just been taking part in the, the draw for the Canadian Championship as well. Do, do you want to get more involved in that? And how, how did you find Qatar? Um, I'll start with the experience. It was all, all new to me. Um, I didn't have... I had one rehearsal three or two months before. One rehearsal... And I only got to sit on the panel. I went to t Toronto, was at the studio, TSN Studios. I only got to sit on the panel for 10 minutes. That was it, 10 minutes. And they asked a couple questions. And I answered about like Croatia or something. I heard the producer in the uh, IBF one time. Like I didn't do any camera stuff. So I had no experience going into it leading up to the roster reveal show, which was our first show. So I was nervous at first, you know, I didn't understand how I'm going to take notes, how it's going to look, you know, what are my mannerisms going to be on TV. But, you know, I just said, whatever, I'm just going to take it in stride. You know, I, I figured out my note taking process very early. I got used to the headset and the, and the producer in my ear quite early. And, you know, I just came in with a goal of just being myself and projecting the excitement that World Cup is and what it means around the world to Canadian viewers and you know, I just tried to be myself. Um, it was a lot of work. It was amazing to cover the games. And like I said, it was all new to me, but I would definitely do it again. Uh, I felt like I got used to it quite quickly and I felt comfortable quite quickly to the point where I had no nerves, which is quite shocking to be in front of that many viewers and have no nerves. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's something I'm capable of, something that I could provide value for, you know, maybe Apple or any of these um, broadcasting companies. And um, yeah, I would never shut the door on something like that. And hopefully I can still do some things on the side in this role. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've done some commentary and color commentary from 2015. And very rarely have I done it at the level where you've got someone in your ear. And the first time it was like, this is so weird and alien because you're trying to talk and get thoughts out and someone's talking in your ear and you're like, I, I don't know if I can do both things. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And um, actually in the first show we were, because it was pre-recorded the first show, no one talked to my ear till, for the first hour. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 all this stuff in my ear. And I kind of like went like this, looked around and stuttered a bit while I was talking. But I'm like, okay, like I got to get used to this. So after the shows, I'd stay back a little bit and just be like, yeah, talk in my ear a little bit just so I can get used to it. And yeah, it was definitely a process and the learning curve was steep, but it was one I, one I enjoyed. To be covering Canada at a World Cup, and I, I know you never got that opportunity as a player, although you were at the Under-20 World Cup with Canada, but to actually cover the country that you know, the country that you love at a World Cup, how special was that? It was so special because, you know, when you're when you're in it, like the 10 years I gave or 11 years I gave to the program, um, you almost have blinders on. You know, you're you're so concerned with performing. You're so concerned with winning, making it to the next round, qualifying that you forget a little bit about the big picture of what it means to the country. You know, obviously you have the pride of wearing the badge and, you know, you're honored to be on the field. But um, once you step away from it and see the impact and see, you know, the impact it has on the youth and the, the foundation of Canada and Canada soccer, um, it's truly special. And seeing those boys take the field and the way they perform in, they performed against uh, Belgium, it made every one of those every one of those 61 caps, you know, more worth it and, you know, added more weight to each one of those caps and it made my whole journey and, and paving that path through the national team worth it. So seeing that was um, definitely a highlight of my life. And I'm so proud of the boys and, and what they achieved. I could talk to you for hours about this, but I know Nathan will kill me if I try and talk too much more. So um, what what were your particular highlights? Can I like what? <laughs> <laughs> what were your particular highlights? Um, like games, what were the favorite games that that you, you were doing? And also away, I, I know like Zach that does the show with us, he was over there and I was living the tournament through all his photos of all the places he was visiting. What were your kind of highlights off the the pitch as well? Uh, Mexico, Argentina, or Argentina, Mexico game. 88, 88,000 people. <laughs> um, Lucille Stadium, the biggest stadium in Qatar. 85% of the fans in attendance were Argentinian fans. Argentina losing their first game and coming into this match in oh. a must win against, you know, Mexico, which is not an easy side. And just like seeing Messi score after our, the first 45 minutes, I was like, what is he doing? He needs to run more. He needs to be Messi. You know, I was so critical because he was not running. He was walking everywhere for like 60 minutes. He maybe made two or three sprints in the first half. And I was like, there's no way this is how he plays, you know. And then in a second like that, gets the ball in the top of the 18, slots it in bottom corner. And it's just like, the whole stadium erupts. 
um, thousands and thousands of people just messy, messy. And it's the songs you really like felt what it means to the world and what it means to some of these countries like Argentina and Mexico. And that was probably as a spectator, the, the high of my life. I've never seen a match like that. It was nice to see the goat and performing and it was a game that, that meant something. So that was definitely the highlight of my Qatar trip outside of, you know, TSN and all the, all the work I did. Fantastic. Last thing, what do the next few weeks, months look like for you then and your new, your new role? Um, a lot of work, um, you know, finding, not only finding my place, because I've been here for two years, like I, I know the impact I can have in an organization, but making it known throughout the organization. So there's no question when to come to me for things or when to ask me for things and, and when my insight and my knowledge can help a situation. So that comes with time, that comes with a lot of conversations, that comes with meetings, collaborations on projects. Um, just so internally we have a good understanding of what my role is and how I can impact everyone's um, jobs and make that easier. Fantastic. Always a pleasure chatting to you, Toss. Enjoy the rest of the sun down in Palm Springs and we'll see you back in rainy Vancouver soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Toss. Wonderful, as always, speaking to, to St. Ricketts there. I genuinely, Zach, could chat to Toss for hours, as that three-hour interview demonstrated. Now, as we said during it, it's like I, I, I could talk to him on and on about his career, his experiences, just what he brings to the, the club now. He's a great addition to have at the club. On the pitch, he brought that veteran presence in the locker room, helping the young guys come along. But what he can bring off the pitch in a business role from those experiences that he's had around the world, not being played in, paid in Turkey, having to stand up and fight for for his rights in other places and overcoming barriers like being at clubs where hardly anyone spoke English and everything like that. What he's learned as a player and what he's seen at all these different clubs, the good and the bad, it's going to be a breath of fresh air to an organisation like the White Caps front office and it's going to bring an interesting outside perspective you feel into it as well. Yeah, I think that would be that would be nice, the breath of fresh air. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed him. Uh, he was uh, a part of the Voyager's Cup draw this year, right? Him and he Terry? He was, yes. He was like two former White Caps hanging out. Didn't help with, the White uh, Caps though, picking the, no. the White Caps out to be away from home for a lot of it. But. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and with uh, Richard, right? It was Richard was like the main. Yeah, Richard Scott, and then yeah. Terry Terry Dunfield was the big balls man. But that's that's no surprise with what what we've talked about with Terry Dunfield in the past. Yeah, no, Toss is um, uh, Toss is a, a qual as you mentioned a quality quality fellow and uh, great great career on the pitch. Uh, you know, someone in Canada who went overseas and uh, really, uh, you know made a name for himself, you know, as a fast striker who played in a number of different places, came home for, you know, reasons we've talked about before of, you know, experiencing what it's like mm. not to get paid by clubs in, in parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, as, as you said there, it's like he, he stood up for him and all the players to be paid. The next day he's training with the 19s. 
the next yeah. week he's shipped off to TFC, but he hasn't looked back after that. So no, and yeah, he's come home and uh, done done well in uh, his time in MLS to you know be a be a champion. Uh, and yeah, as, as I said in the interview, he's won three Voyagers Cups, so it's one more than the Whitecaps. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I think yeah, he he has been, and he will. I mean, he's been doing the off the pitch thing for them for a while now. Yeah, and he will uh, continue to do that, and hopefully even elevate things. And yeah, I hope he does bring perspectives that they're not thinking about and pushes them uh, on uh, on a number of things, which I I believe he already has uh, to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. he... He's done fantastic. And I mean, we touched a little bit on it there. I didn't want to push him too much in this, but you, you know, there's going to have been offers. And he kind of indicated that there was offers from elsewhere. A, a CPL team would have loved him to bring him in as oh, a yeah. veteran striker, to mentor yep. your young guys. Totally. But he's got this 10 year plan that he wants to do it on a business side of things. And that's where he sees his future. Like he could have gone into coaching, but it's the business stuff that really interests him and to make the game better for the next generation coming through. And that's that's admirable. Yeah, totally. You, you definitely can see him as a, a CEO for maybe an MLS team, maybe a, a USL or a CPL team down the road. Totally. I, I could definitely see that. And then on the, the side of diversity, he's also, because mm. we don't see a lot of... Yeah, there's not a lot of black executives uh, around soccer in general. No, it's getting so, better, but it's a very a, slow process. Yeah, and so he, and like he was in his playing days on the field, off the field, he is once again going to be like a role model and someone that people can look to as an example of what what it can look like to to play those types of roles in, in, in a club. But he, he was still performing last year as well. Four goals for the, the Whitecaps, so they have to fill that, that void as well. And although he feels he could have done, still done it, he knew that this was the the right time to go and pass yeah. it on. But Betcher Betcher will kind of hopefully take take those minutes. I, I you, think so from Pope. And you're totally you're totally right. Like he would have if he had chosen to go that that route. He would have been a tremendous uh, addition to a CPL side. The way you know uh, Issei Nakajima Far Farin yeah. and uh, Marcel De Young were at Pacific in, in the their first year, or Marcus Haber. You could well, you, you kind of have to hope Vancouver FC is going to find a player like that, a player like Toss Ricketts, that they can bring into their squad because they're severely lacking that older head right now. Yeah, and I think that will come because I think it will as well because I love Cali. Yeah, um, uh, but... I had a great chat with Cali for about half an hour last week when I was out at some of the trials that they were having. It was great to catch up with him again. Yeah, but he's so he's an experience in one sense. But you, it would be nice to have another like even older, even more senior, more elder statesman yeah. uh, in the in the squad for Vancouver FC. So we didn't really touch on the retirees of to St Ricketts and Florian Youngworth in the the show last month. So we'll just quickly touch on the second of those just now. Flo Youngworth hanging his boots up and moving into a first-team coaching role as well. So that's going to be a, an interesting one in the sidelines. He'd done a little bit of coaching with the 16s last year, but straight in now as one of Vanny's assistants and knows the league. He's a guy that you feel is not going to take any shit and it's like he's just going to say it as it is to the players and... That's what they need sometimes. For for many, for like when Robbo started off and was an assistant coach, that was Robbo's role to kind of be a friend yeah. of the players in a way that they then trusted him and he could give them a kick up the butt when needed. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he was. Uh, yeah, he played he played the role of of being blunt with a number of them back in the day for that. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I think you're right. I think Flo 
can now play that role for Vanny. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that transition works for him and to see if he, in uh, and, and the same way he did on the pitch, if he can kind of be that um, uh, motivator and inspiration to, to, to the players. Final thing on this, just talking to Robo in, not again officially confirmed at the time of recording, but in his assistant at DC United to with Wayne Rooney, a player that he's not always been the most complimentary about over the years. Let's just but put who, it that but way. But who hasn't said some negative things about Wayne Rooney? What, the fat granny shagger? It's going to be awkward <laughs> when he's on our show. Uh, um, is, is, is Robo down there in, in, uh, in Cali with them? Right now? That I don't know. No, yeah, I, I'd imagine he probably is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Toss in his new role. Wish him all the best, and we know he is going to be fantastic. Uh, one of the things we touched on there towards the end with Toss was, like, his role, it's club and player engagement. You want to have Vancouver, the fans, the general public, more engaged with the club. So that's something that that he's working on just now. And as I asked him, it makes it harder when not all the games are now going to be on TV every week. Apple TV's MLS app has just launched. Haven't had a full nosy about it yet. I was on a a call last week where they were showing uh, a lot of the stuff with it. It's going to have a lot of content from every club. 2023 player profiles, the best sort of league and club highlights from last season, full replays of classic matches, documentary style vignettes. And right now, the majority of the on-demand content, it's free to all up until the season kicks off so f- fans can go and check that out. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. I, get, I should go check it out. I haven't fully had a chance to get in at the app. I've just seen the little thing from the call. Um Interesting. It seems that teams are allowed to have their first home games in their own stadium free to view in the app. So that means that three of the first four Whitecaps games appear free to view their home opener and then the away games at San Jose Earthquakes and LA Galaxy. Because the Galaxy's home opener is not at their stadium. It's the the big LA derby that they're having at the Pasadena Rose Bowl. So right. that, that'll be interesting. So we'll, we'll delve a little bit more into that as well. Let us know what classic matches you'd like to see in the Whitecaps section as well from their MLS time. I wonder if they can get any, I wonder if they can get the rights to show anything pre-MLS. So we'll, we'll kind that, of see that, what happens. That, that's probably unlikely. Yeah. Um, last thing for the show, that's the football chat finished. But it's not the show finished. We've got to finish with this episode's wavelength. And going back just to 2021 for this one, and it's a Cuban singer based in Barcelona. She's called Arima Ariga, and this is her song, Always in the Air. Are you ready? You better be the one to make it when it happens. Find your heart The ball's in the air No matter if it's hard, hard, hard You're gonna make it now
be the one to make it when it happens. The fire in your heart is burning for the challenge. The voice in the air, they say like an anthem. No matter if it's hard, you're gonna make it happen. You better be the one to make it when it happens. The fire in your heart is burning for the challenge. The voice in the air. They say like an anthem No matter if it's hard, hard, hard You're gonna make it happen Better From 2021, Arima Ariga there, always in the air, are you ready? Uh, The blurb about the song says, The people in the stadium are euphoric. The game is about to start. The adrenaline is pumping in the hearts of the players. Are you ready? That's the only question that comes to their mind. You kind of have to hope that the Whitecaps are going to be ready for 2023 and everything that lies ahead for them. That is it for this show. Just before we go, though, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online and any final thoughts that you've got for this week. You can find me on Twitter, occasionally tweeting, at Zachary AM. And uh, just want to give... I forgot to do this last week, uh, but this week it's doubly meaningful. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, Kyle Aaron, uh, you've probably seen on all the social media platforms, uh, how he has, uh, is turning his year around. Uh, a very unfortunate uh, uh, stint at Club Rouge in, in Belgium after his uh, transfer from Besiktas, where I think he scored one goal at Bruges in like uh, about 11 games. Um, and he has uh, joined uh, the El Phenomeno, uh, Real Valladolid, uh, in La Liga. And he has uh, come on, I believe, in a substitute in both matches <laughs> to score the match winner in both. <laughs> He's, and, he's uh, having a great start to his time down there. Yeah, so you just hope he, he can kick on and um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I hope it works out for him and I hope he continues to progress uh, because obviously we want him to be scoring goals for Canada. Well, Zach, my final thought is I've got a surprise quick guest appearance. She was meant to be on the whole show, but I believe she was out eating custard creams. But we've got Harjit Jahal joining us. And unfortunately, we can't have you on for more than a couple of minutes, Har. But how are you feeling about the Whitecaps season? Do you have any words for our listeners out there? 
very excited about the new season. I think the two new players are long overdue, and I think they'll be great additions as a new striker and a new number one goalkeeper. But guys, come on. You really know that I'm really here. I'm only here to talk about Jake Nowinski. You guys know that. Well, I mean, it's very fitting. It's We've been talking about love on the show with CITR Radio's fundraising drive, and obviously he is the love of your life, and he's left you. I know, you... I, can't, I can't get this MLS subscription pass to work, so I can't watch the St. Louis games. i got to okay. update my iPad or some nonsense, and i I got to get that sorted, guys. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, how's he doing in preseason? I don't know. I don't watch the games. No, <laughs> no one can you watch like the games. Him? You haven't messaged him and asked him, like, how camp's going and who his new BFF down there is? and It's probably Tim Parker. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, his, yeah. that's his old BFF. Does he have a new one? What's old is new again. Uh, but they're playing the Whitecaps on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the Caps are playing two games, so uh, that's something. Oh, I never clicked. That was Super Bowl Sunday when we rattled through what the schedule was going to be. Because your Niners got smoked. That's why. Yeah, I forgot. I don't. I won't be. But your side is out too, isn't it, her? Yes. (laughs) You have to go cry on all your rings. I do actually. Yeah. On your Super Bowl rings. (laughs) Yeah, all seven of them. Before we wrap everything up, um, do you want to plug anything? You've been busy. You've got a lot of articles. I will have one uh, dropping either this evening or. Tuesday, so read it and uh, enjoy it. Going to give us any clues as to what it's about? I know, but... It'll be about the Whitecaps. Not about Jake, just Whitecap stuff. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, Harry. We will get Uh, you on a proper show soon. Thanks again for having me on. Great to see you, Michael. Great to see you, Zach. Happy New Year, guys. Bye. Happy New Year to Cheers. Okay. That that is us now. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Check our stuff on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Lots of VMSL videos up there. Don't forget to support CITR Radio's fun drive. You can go to citr.ca backslash donate. Mention AFTN on that page as well. Thank you for supporting us as always. Thank you for supporting CITR. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Yeah, but-